Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Joining us right now is the executive director of the National Black Doll Museum. Let me welcome to the show, Deb Britt. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Good to see you. She got some dolls over her shoulder. First of all, before we get into what the National Black Doll Museum is and what it does and where your mission, what your mission is, what was the first doll you ever had? I uh, The first doll I ever had was a white doll. It was a bylaw. But because my parents were really progressive, uh, my grandmother, they wouldn't allow me to have it. So my grandmother took that doll apart and dyed it. So I had a dyed doll that was once white, and she dyed it. I watched her dye it in a pot. What? So who gave you the doll? <laughs> who gave you the doll? My grandmother was a maid. And so she was a maid for these prominent people, and we got all kinds of stuff from them. Yes. And so she got one of the dolls that was passed down from one of those girls, and she brought it home, and that was my first doll. Now, yeah. what what about dolls made you turn this into a, a, a mission of sorts? Uh, it wasn't about the dolls. It was about having low self-esteem. And it was about having somebody saying that I wasn't worthy of being alive and that, that I wasn't important. And um, my grandmother, again, with a doll, showed me something that I thought was phenomenal. She showed me that you could make something out of nothing. She put together a, a doll with a, a bottle and some fabric and some paper bag. And she said, you can be anything you want to be and you can create anything out of nothing. So when they tell you that you're going to be, that you're nothing, you remember you can create something fabulous out of nothing. Go show what, them. Mm, what, was your, <laughs> what was your grandmother's name? Because we have to, we have to keep people's names in our mouths to keep them alive. What was her name? And where, where, what was it? Jesse. Jesse what? Mm. Jesse Wedgworth. That, what a name. And where, 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 where were you in, in the country? What part? Were you in the South? I was in Boston. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was in Boston just before, just before all that school strike, people shaking buses. I, I was uh, there. <laughs> I was yeah. there. I went to college in Boston, so I know what it's like to be black in Boston. And you and your sister established a museum in what I would imagine is the whitest possible place place to try to establish a black museum absolutely can you talk about that (laughs) absolutely oh yeah and people say why would you go into that little lily white town and go there and do that because we can and because i tell kids all the time i'm putting it here because i want you to know that you can go anywhere you want to go and you don't let them push you out we're going to go there and make our mark. I'm, we're going to do this. You can get on a train and you can come and see me. We're going to walk these streets and we're going to, you can do anything. You go anywhere. You don't let people stop you. Nowhere. <laughs> Deb Britt, uh, executive director of the National Black Dolly Muse- Museum, which is where exactly in Massachusetts? Well, we are everywhere. <laughs> now because now we it's virtual by. you're virtual right yeah. but we're where virtual. was it physically what was that neighborhood it was physically in mansfield in mansfield massachusetts mansfield okay and and doing that i imagine there was might have been some pushback because people don't like when people come in where they're not welcome 
Oh, absolutely. However, we've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this all my life. And so um, what I learned from my parents um, was how to navigate. You know, they say you have to walk the walk, talk the talk, live in two worlds. And we were really um, good at that, navigating these two worlds so we could go into this world. So I was the president of this PTA in an all-white town. I was the president of the PTA. And I bought in the Winter Festival, you know, and I taught kids how to um, get summer jobs because they had no clue what a summer job was out in this suburban um, community. Um, and I had summer jobs, but then I bought children from the city to work some of those summer jobs. And then I had the other kids work with them and I had host families. So I had the white kids and the black kids working together, showing them how it was done. So I didn't get a lot of pushback because I was opening doors that they had never seen before for their children. But I knew I was making a way for our children at the same time. Mm, you know. Okay. Yeah, yep. I'm a really good friend of Amar Rockman. He put me in touch with you, and he told me you were at a museum conference where they were talking about taking down the images of lynching, uh, and you were the only black person there to push back on it. Um, what was that experience like? That I can tell you, folks are really it's um, it's amazing. Our folks would not go, and and you know, and I'm always there because I feel like we need to have a voice. I'm putting myself at the table. I refuse to sit in the back. I always go to the front. You know, people like hold their heads down and say, there she goes. But yes, there I go. I'm going to the front. I'm sitting at that front seat. I want right there in the front of that camera. And I go into the conference and they said they were going to take it down. And and I said, I I need a, a woosah. This is a woosah moment for me. And the woman next to me said, how do you spell that? And when she How said you spell that lynching? Me, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> they know how to spell lynching. They, You're right. They, they, yeah. They that. And when she said that to me, I knew I was something and, and I said to them, you have no right. You have no right to take pictures off the wall of lynching. And I'm going to be here and tell you. Because what does that say about us as people, as black people? You take lynchings, pictures of lynchings off the wall. You take the lynchings out of the books. And then you say what? That black people are angry for no reason? Mm, we have yeah. a reason to have anger and a reason to push back. You know? And if you take this away, then it, it's like, oh, they're just crazy people. No, we're not you did something and that you're responsible for it. You have to take responsibility. Um, it was very interesting. It was really interesting. Now you, you, you talk about the importance of uh, knowing, understanding the history of black dolls and, and the culture around it. And even to the point where, you know, we, we have to understand the importance of putting a, a black doll baby in a black child's hand, but conversely, how important is it to put that same black doll in a white child's hand. Absolutely. Mm. And I do that every day. Mm. My sisters and I have, um, we teach doll workshops. Um, and the same doll that my grandmother taught me how to make, I actually, we kind of retrofit it so that we can use recyclable items 
and we have taught over 50,000 patrons, 50,000. And every single one of those dolls are black dolls Mm. because the fabric that we use come in shades of brown. I have never, ever created one or taught anybody to make one that was white. We don't do that. We're creating African rap dolls. Those are dolls that take away the fears and the worries, and it comes from my ancestors. And when I teach these workshops, people line up around the corner, hundreds of them at a time, they sign up, and they're coming to make African rap dolls. And there are hundreds and thousands of white children. And they all love their black babies when they leave. Mm, yeah. Each and every one. Yeah. You know? How do you how do you how do you think that affects them in a real way having this connection to to black baby dolls that just as a representation? How do you what have you seen and how does that affect um these white children? It's it's powerful. Yeah. It's a powerful it's a powerful experience. I I can't even tell people how rewarding it is. For me, for my sisters, we absolutely don't get paid, but the reward in it is amazing because those kids go out of there and it's like, do you love it? And it's like, I absolutely love it. And I love you. And see, this is the next thing that they say. And I love you. And it looks like my friend. And I love her. You know, and these are the things that I hear from them, you know, and I say to them, and what are you creating? I'm creating a warrior because back during slavery, Mm -hmm. there were warriors and they protected the people because I give them the story and the history and I take them on a journey. It's not about just creating a doll. I have to put them in a place. So I have to give them a story. And I tell them the story and I let them get involved in the story. I make them see it because I see it. And so I tell the story. And when I tell a story, I bring people along for the ride. You know? We're talking with Deb Britt. Uh, She is the executive director of the National Black Doll Museum, which now is virtual. So people who are listening, where do they go to engage and, and interact and, and support all of the work that you've been doing over the years? Well, virtual, we are online at um, org, which is the call letters for the National Black Doll Museum History Culture. Right. However, we travel. <laughs> We're a traveling team. We've always been a traveling team. Um, And we do two things now. As virtual, we do classes online and we do workshops. So we put together kits and we send them. So we we just did some classes in South Carolina. We send the whole package down there. And then we teach the classes online. But we literally get in our cars. We have school contracts in New Jersey. We drive to New Jersey and go in person. We go to New York in person. We go to Hartford in person. We've been in Canada in person. So we travel. It depends on if people want us to come or not. So there are principals, I'm sure, people, administrators who are listening to the show, if they want uh, to bring your doll museum to their school or to their district, they just go to mbdmhc.org and contact you there? And contact me there. Or they can call 774 
Now, what's your favorite doll? I know your grandmother's mm-hmm. uh, version <laughs> was probably most sacred because of what it what it opened up for you. But you know, among all of the dolls, how many dolls do you personally have, Deb Britt? <laughs> personally, I have 3,500. Mm. Wow. That, that's my personal um, collection. Um, totally, we have 10,000. Um, and that's because I have five sisters. I'm the oldest of five. And they kind of like wanted to come along for the ride. And so everybody has their own specialty. Um, and I collect um, historical dolls. I'm real into black cloth dolls because I, I know they were done by enslaved mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of my favorites are the topsy-turvy dolls. And all the dolls I have here, I don't even have one um, right there. But I can tell you... Um, Topsy-turvy, upside down, one side white, the other side brown. I wonder who would play with me, the mistress children or the black mammy. When the master is around, the brown side is down. I pretend to cook and clean without a frown. But when we're alone, just mommy and me, she flips me over and whispers, one day we'll be free. Mm. Topsy-turvy is a two-sided doll. And the enslaved mothers made that doll. And when the master was around, the kids had to hide the, the, the brown side. And they would say, oh, we're just teaching our, you know, we're teaching the child how to serve you. But when the master was gone, that mother made sure that that child had a black doll that looked like them. So I love those dolls. That is <laughs> stunning. It was today, today years old. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, but, you yeah. know, it just kind of speaks to the fortitude and the ways in which, as as Deb was saying, we have had to learn to navigate these systems of oppression to find sanctity, peace, freedom, harmony, love, all of the things that were denied us. We found a way to find them. Religion, community, quilting, you know, all of that. Oh, this is amazing. Um, the, the value of the dolls, because it's interesting, um, value being placed on things is usually by the power structure, your, your, your doll collection, uh, the most valuable doll. And I'm putting up air quotes because, you know, monetarily is what? The most valuable. I would say the most valuable doll, if I had to put a value on a doll. Um, it would be my Bob Marley doll. Okay. Mm. I have a Bob Marley doll um, that was given to me by an artist named Jack Johnson, who actually went and lived with Bob Marley's um, mother. And he was teaching her how to sculpt. And when they got finished sculpting this doll, his mother gave her, his mother gave him um, locks of Bob Marley's hair. And the mother, she actually created the clothes from Bob Marley's clothes. And she created this outfit for the doll. So I have a doll that has Bob Marley's hair and Bob Marley's clothes. So that's a doll that I cherish. And it's like, he goes nowhere. He stays with me always. So he's not in that collection that goes around the country. No. We can't see him. Oh, wow. Is he in a case that's just in case. no air in it? He's in a case. <laughs> Wow. Wow. This wow. is amazing. Well, you got listen. any voodoo dolls? You got any voodoo dolls back there? There are there, voodoo dolls are, are good dolls. You and you know that the, the witches were, were good. We didn't put mm-hmm. spells. That's that's a myth. 
You know, we had spiritual dolls, um, dolls that spoke to um, healing um, and keeping people well. You know, it's like Tatuba. When you go up to Salem, they have that Salem Witch Festival, and they talk about how, you know, these three women were, these three girls were witches, and Tatuba happened to be one of them, and and she got free. And it was because she said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a witch, you know, but she had came from the island of um, Barbados, and she had learned how to use the herbs. It wasn't that she was a witch. It was because of our culture and our history. She knew how to, to make people well because she learned about the herbs, and she could make people well, you know? So this that's what that was. Well, I'm on the website. We're going to tweet it out. And um, I actually want to have you back on. Is there an event or something that's go- coming up soon, Dev? An event that's coming. Um, right now, I'm in the middle of planning the uh, Southeastern Juneteenth. Okay. <laughs> hey. so, so we do we do it all, which is one reason that it's important for us to stay in this, this particular area. Because um, though we are in a, we have a small percentage of Black folks in this area, um, but we're regional, so there are 10 towns, small communities around me that have 0.01% people of color, but the museum gave them a home. Mm. So we were able to be that home for folks. And so we do Kwanzaa, we do Juneteenth, we do Decoration Day, we do all kinds of events for folks from our, you know, our background. So when they needed someplace to go, resources is where they came they got it from us. I so. love it. Um, so we're going to have you back on either Juneteenth or one of these other holidays to just celebrate all of the amazing work that you are doing, that you've done. You dropped kernels here, gave us yeah. all of our lives. And I just, it's a wonderful meeting you. Thank you, Joyelle, for making the introduction. Deb Britt, thank you so much. National Director, Executive Director of the National Black Doll Museum. And the website gives you all of the insights there. You can go to it. Thank you for being here. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.